Time to do a summary then of the uh, first portion of the Book of Romans that we've been studying quite extensively. Um, Paul has now ended his uh, account of Abraham and how he was saved by faith alone. The book starts, of course, with the tragic situation of the world. Romans chapter 1 talks about the uh, paganism of the uh, the, uh, non-religious world, the idolatry of the pagan world, and then chapter 2 ironically talks about the idolatry of the religious world. And he basically makes it clear that mankind is in a state of suppression of God. This suppression is so familiar to us that we don't even we're not even aware that we're doing it we suppress god when we're in our sins or we suppress god where when we're in our anxieties we uh, feel that he's absent we're angry with him we uh, in our anger we don't want to talk to him all of these issues um come up that cause us to suppress god and that suppressing is a forceful psychological effect, uh, uh, act, even though we're not aware we are doing it. The most natural thing for humanity, since humanity was made in the image of God, would be for, God, for humanity to open their hearts up to God, to sing praises to Him, to enjoy His comfort, and to enjoy the light of His presence. So we're in darkness, but we've been in darkness so long we don't even know we're there. And uh, that is the state of humankind in chapters 1 and 2. And I might say even Christians often are in this state because we're surrounded by a fallen world, by an alien world, by an atheistic world, a no-God world, a world that seems to get on well, seemingly, uh, without him. But of course, we are terribly deluded because there's death and suffering all around. Yet we do not make the connection between the absence of God and death and suffering. But it's there. And once we are enlightened by the gospel, we see how foolish we have been. So there is no righteousness in human beings. Paul makes it clear uh, that comes up in chapter 3. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There's no one who seeks after God. You say, well, that's hard to believe, Colin. The world is full of religion. Yes, two-thirds of the world uh, are religious. In fact, I would say, venture to say that it's probably nearly everybody. But the fact is that religion is human-born. It is man trying to reach up to God, when in fact the gospel is God reaching down to man. This is the uh, uh, essence of paganism. We try to produce our form of religion. Even, Even among Christians and Jews, there is that attempt to produce our own form of religion. And then Paul says that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, because you see in the second part of the description of the the atheism and the brokenness of the world, he's been talking to the Jewish people. Just as the pagan world seeks to reach up to God by its rituals and, and superstitions, so the religious world, and in this case Paul talking about the Jewish people, have been using the law to reach up to God. 
but he concludes that there is an unrighteous, no, not one. And he says in that conclusion, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that is, dominated by and ruled by the law, condemned by the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. And one might say, well, why does God want us to feel guilty? Well, he doesn't, of course. He's revealing our guilt, revealing our suppression of God so that we will turn to him so that he can introduce faith to us. Therefore, he says, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so think of the law not simply as the Ten Commandments, the commandments written on tables of stone, but the commandments that are in your head, those uh, sen- that sense of guilt and innocence, that sense of right and wrong that we're always trying to comply with in order to feel some kind of peace. We'll never get it that way. For by the deeds of the law, either on tables uh, uh, accorded, either in harmony with tables of stone or in harmony with our conscience, that law of conscience or tables of stone will never make us give uh, have a sense of innocence. It says in 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, If our conscience condemns us, God is greater than our conscience and knows all. Wow, how interesting that there is, in fact, something higher than our conscience, God himself. For our conscience is not the voice of God, as so many people misunderstandingly think so. Our conscience can often be damaged by um, paranoia, by uh, neurosis, by um, uh, these tendencies to uh, religious rituals that make us feel that if we comply with them, we are complying with our conscience. Not at all. By our conscience is a knowledge of sin only. Well, all that sounds rather dire and miserable, doesn't it? But it's for the purpose of revealing Christ, because without the knowledge of our brokenness, we will find Jesus as somewhat irrelevant. What's the point of him? But once we have been brought to an end of ourselves, once we see our utter bankruptcy, then God's righteousness, ah, that's what comes next, makes wonderful sense. But now, verse 21 in chapter 3, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Well, you see, if we misunderstand, we can misunderstand even this. We can think of God's righteousness as his holiness, his uh, high and mighty um, separateness from us so that he cannot be reached. But that is not what this righteousness is that Paul is talking about. Because he says in the very next verse, even the righteousness of God through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. So the righteousness of God here is Christ himself coming to the world, revealing the heart of God, full of mercy, grace and truth, who has brought to us the news that he has come to save us, just as God came to uh, Moses and told him that he had heard the groanings of Israel and has come to deliver them from the bondage of Egypt. And so, you see then, the righteousness of God is revealed through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. There it says, through faith in Jesus Christ, but it's obviously through faithfulness, that uh, Greek word can be translated faith or faithfulness, 
of Jesus Christ because he's talking about our faith in the next line, to all and on all who have faith. So then, the righteousness of God is revealed to those who have faith. Oh, but that makes a certain group special, doesn't it? They have faith and others don't. Well, the question is, where does faith come from? The poor, the gospel is going to reveal that faith comes from God. It is not something born of human will, for we are broken down. There is no righteousness in us. This faith is part of the gift of the gospel. Even the faithfulness of God through Jesus, the, even the righteousness of God, rather, through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. Now, that uh, next phrase, uh, clause rather, for there is no difference, reveals very, very clearly that Paul is talking about everybody. God is going to give faith to all the world, ultimately. Some receive it now, some receive it in early life, middle life, later life. Some do not receive it until they have received the judgments of the final judgment when everything is revealed and they are brought to an end of themselves and they receive faith from God. All have sinned. All sinned in Adam and continually fall short of the glory of God, that's verse 23, and are being, while being justified freely by his grace. This is an incredible line of uh, truth. Try to get it. There's no difference. They're all the same. All sinned, that's sinned in a past tense, in a, at a point of time. They all sinned in Adam, because when Adam went down, we all went down. And f continually, that's the continuous verse, uh, uh, continuous tense in Greek, continually fall short of the glory of God, even though we sinned in Adam and continually fall short of the glory of God, we are being declared innocent freely by His grace through the redemption, the buying back that is in Christ Jesus. And you might remember my saying to you some many weeks ago that this is the richest passage in the Bible, in my opinion. Now then, while we are being, while we are falling short, while we are sinners in for Adam, nevertheless, in the mercy of God, we are being declared innocent freely by his grace as we continue to believe. And how so? By the redemption, the buying back that has been brought about by Jesus Christ. Now, what about this Jesus Christ? Well, according to chapter to verse 25, he is the propitiation. What in the world does that mean? It means to take away the wrath of God. Remember, God's wrath is motivated by love. It's not God's hate. It's not God's furious anger against us. It is God's judgment against sin that will ruin us. And what God has done, instead of that uh, wrath falling upon us, he has allowed it to fall upon himself in the person of his Son. And thus he has appeased it, taken it away, propitiated it, that's what the word means, by his own sacrifice. How amazing that God took his judgment, the judgment of the world, upon himself in the person of his Son. That's the message of Romans 3.25. Pour over it, ponder it, pray about it. It is your 
peace before God. So then, where is boasting, Paul says? Well, there isn't any. There's no room for it, because we conclude that a man is justified by faith in Christ apart from the deeds of the law. If a man, you see, is justified by faith given by God, then there is no basis for pride and boasting. It is excluded. And on what principle? On the principle of faith, which proves again that faith is a gift from God. If it were a gift from man, well, there'd be room for our pride in that we have faith when when others do not. But since it's a gift from God, then there is no room for pride. Now then, Paul wants to make it clear that this is not his message. It is not a unique message. A statement from him cooked up by his own mind, and so he goes right back into the Old Testament to demonstrate that this faith that God gives is part of his grace that comes to the world to give mercy and uplifting and salvation to mankind without any works to his credit. So what does he do? He does what we've been spending time looking at over the last week or so. That is, he calls upon the life of Abraham. How amazing, as I've stated so many times now, that the message of righteousness by faith alone without any works is found in the Old Testament. For it says, if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but he doesn't have anything to boast about. For it says that Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Well, if his faith was counted to him, then it came from God and not from human beings. And therefore, Paul says, we are also counted as righteous, just as Abraham was, even then when we have no righteousness to our credit. What a faith and hope that gives us all. Well, thank you for listening today. Colin Cook here and How It Happens. Please help to keep the broadcast now in its 26th year on the air. It's listener-supported radio. So if you would send a donation, please do so at by sending it to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160, or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.